Welcome to Wine for Normal People, the podcast for people who like wine, but not the snobbery that goes with it. I'm your host, Elizabeth Schneider, author of the Wine for Normal People book and certified wine dork. And I'm MC Ice, just a wine-loving normal person. This podcast is sponsored by Wine Access. Go to wineaccess.com slash normal and join the Wine Access Wine for Normal People Wine Club. Four shipments a year of six bottles of awesome wines that I select. It's a limited offer. Join while you can. Listen in the middle of the show for more details. A small caveat to this podcast before you listen and you think, God, Elizabeth's voice sounds a little different. Yes, I am sick. Hopefully you can get over it and enjoy the awesomeness of Aurelien Chirac, such a cool guy with really, really great information on the Northern Rhone. Today, we are having our first ever producer from the Northern Rhone on the show, located in the steep terraced slopes overlooking the Rhone River in the village of San Michel sur Rhone. Vignole Chirac began in 1925. Benoit Chirac harvested his first Syrah at the Domaine. In 1948, his son Georges joined and worked with Benoit until 1970. Viognier was planted on their site in Condrieu in 1980, and the real changes to the domain happened when in 1984, Gilbert Girard took over the domain, and within six years of his taking the reins, he stopped all the polyculture on the estate and focused only on Syrah and Viognier. The family moved from focusing on Condrieu to the wines of Saint-Joseph, and then added Cote Roti. Aurelien joined his father in 2012 after completing his studies and working in New Zealand, Burgundy, and the south of France. And today we welcome Aurelien, who I had the pleasure of meeting and spending a lot of time with last year at the Domaine, learning and discovering all sorts of things about the Northern Rhone that I did not know. And I'm so happy to have him here today. Welcome, Aurelien. I'm very, very glad to, to be with you. It's a first podcast for me. Sorry for my English, but sometimes it can be awful. But it is not rubbish, at all rubbish awful. English. <laughs> Your English so, is great. So tell me, your history is so interesting. All of your family have farmed the site for almost 100 years. Can you explain what happened with the, the history of the domain? Because it was very common to do polyculture. Because I think when people look at pictures of Condrieu or Cote Roti, they think it was always just all vines all the time. But that's not the case, right? My grand-granddad starts because his uncle don't have son and uh, daughter. So someone needs to take the farm. So he brings to works and he has planted some grapes. But in the past... 100 years ago, wine was just for pub, restaurant, or family. Right. So him with his son make grapes and wine, not for fun, but it was not to, to live. They lived uh, with animals and vegetables and fruit, and they have some grapes. 100 years ago, it was everyone make wine. But it was not a job. Yeah, you didn't make a ton of money off of that. You had yeah. to live off of other things. After the Second War, it left just eight hectares in a world of Viognier grapes. Wow. And it was very, very, very rough for one Viognier grapes. And it's the generation of my dad who planted a lot. And now we make only wine. So the wine in our region, in Northern Rhone, is very new. We don't have in Burgundy uh, or in Bordeaux with a big, big history. Here we have an history, but it's small. The first plant of Viognier or Syrah uh, have 2,000 years ago, uh, but it's very, very rareful. Yeah. What I am curious about is there was always viticulture there. The Romans did viticulture there, but yeah. I think the idea that it was only wine that was on those slopes is yeah. something that is not the case. And actually, exactly what you're saying, Rhone and Loire also were very rural farmland as opposed to Bordeaux and Burgundy, which was for nobles and rich people and things like that. It was not like that where yeah. you are. And up in the northern Rhone, I would think it would be very hard to farm that stuff. 
One of the questions that I don't think I asked you, even though I think I asked you literally every single question in the world, and you're so nice to talk to me again because I asked you so many questions when I met you, is do we know why they would even think about planting on the, the slopes? Can you describe where you're located? Because I think I will post pictures, but I think that it's very hard for people to even visualize what it is like to be where you are. It is so steep. I mean, I can't imagine growing vegetables there and trying to harvest them and take care of them. Grapes is actually probably easier because they're more hardy. They take care of themselves better, right? Why did the Romans decide to plant there? I uh, asked to my dad and he don't know too. It's it's crazy because the grapes in Condrieux, Saint-Joseph or Cotrati is plant is very, very steep. It's a rate 25, 40% of degrees of, uh, of slope. slope. Yeah. So probably for the quality because it's more sandy. Uh, probably for quality, they see the quality on the slope, but it's very strange because everywhere in the world we avoid the slope and we plant in the flat place to <laughs> to be easiest to walk. I asked to my dad yesterday and he said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think and, anyone knows. It would be an yeah. interesting thing. If anyone is listening and has an idea about that, I would love to know because you see it in the Mosul Valley also where it doesn't make sense that anyone would plant there, but it's been there for 2,000 years. Just like, even though it hasn't been all grapes, the Romans came 2,000 years ago to yeah. Cote Roti and Condriou and San Joseph and planted grapes yeah. there. Uh, it's so, so weird. We don't know what, but it's, it's good for us because uh, it's where we can make better quality in the, in the slope. But with the warm climate change, we will see in, in the future, but... It's maybe better in, in, on the bottom, but we'll see in the future. It's better now in the hill. But why they plant here in 2,000 years ago? Who knows? Know. <laughs> Nobody knows. Probably quality. Can you talk about the terroir of your site and Kondryu in general? We'll start out with Kondryu because that's where the domain is located. Yeah. Why is it so special and why does Viognier do what it does in Kondryu, unlike any other place. You know, Viognier is challenging to grow and it doesn't taste how it tastes in Kondryu anywhere else. And it's the terroir. It's because we are on the top place in the hemisphere, whereas Viognier is better because when you go to the south, you don't have all soil. It's a abiotic granite, a granite very destroyed. And the Viognier needs to be stressed. If you have too many earths, you will make big grapes and it's not very interesting. We search to have small grapes, very concentrate, and the slope give it, the granite give it, and our place in Saint-Michel or Condrieux town, it's very good because we are in the top, top north Viognier place. After that, you have Chardonnay in Burgundy and uh, Champagne and Alsace grapes. After us, you don't have Viognier. So it's on the top of the north, so we keep fresh and keep aromas. Because the Viognier grapes is very hard because you you can have very high alcohol level and very low acidity. To have a good balance, you need to have good alcohol but good acidity. And it's very hard for the, with the Viognier. So where we are, we, we can have combination of acidity and maturity. And the Viognier, if you if you want to have the apricot aromas and typical aromas of Viognier, you need to wait the good maturity. And if you have this maturity in Condrieu, you don't have too many alcohol and you are keep good fresh. But in South or in another region in the world, when you have this typical aromas, you are high alcohol or very low acidity. So it's it's very, very hard with Viognier. That's why the Viognier, you find it in blend in South of France. Yeah. In very, very small parts because it's very interesting in blend in South. But sometimes with uh, just grapes, just Viognier grapes in the bottle, it's sometimes big and fat and uh, heavy wine. And they reacidify all of it, you yeah. know, if they're going to make it as a varietal wine. 
we talked about your time in New Zealand when I met you. Now, New Zealand is a little bit cooler. It would be different if you were in Australia. But how did that affect the way that you make wine and look at the wine now in terms of techniques and things to learn? Because it's very different. How they make wine in the New World is not the same. And especially because you did Burgundy also, which is even more traditional than yeah. Northern Rhone, right? So it's a big contrast. New Zealand learned me a lot in Cellar, and she opened my eyes to new way to work with more chemical. Like the additives, you mean? Things you can put in? Yeah, I, I think they are more precision in work here in France. When I have worked with my dad on Origin, we make uh, farmer wine, land wine, terroir wine, very good wine. But sometimes we miss some very short things. We can make better wine. And I learned that in New Zealand because it's very new. I work with a lot of analogue and very smart person. They opened my eyes like this uh, because it was very, very new. And the second point, it's never disappointing the customer. Yeah. In France, we make uh, vintage wine. And so sometimes it's very good. Sometimes it's a rage and the customers know that and I appreciate that because it's terroir and vintage wine. In New Zealand, in New World, you can't disappoint the customer. So every year you need to be good. So it's very interesting to learn that. It's an unrealistic expectation for farming. And yet somehow the New World has decided that they're not going to make wines that are vintage dependent, even though they are dependent on vintage. So in my opinion, France has, France and Italy, uh, the, the wines of the vintage wines, the wines where people know it's going to change year to year are probably better off because then you have more freedom to work with the land. You have more yeah. freedom to work with what you get. They have no freedom. So yeah. they have to use chemicals and you don't have to do that. No, you don't. You don't need it. But sometimes we need it. <laughs> Well, it's, I mean, if it's going to go bad, we talked about this, you know, you, yeah. you send things to the lab, but your your work with, with a lab is different than their work with a lab, right? Yeah. So your work we, with the lab is, is there something wrong with the wine that I have to fix? Not, uh-huh. is there some small thing that I want to change to get a flavor? It's more, yeah. is there spoilage in the wine? Do I have to get the bacteria out so it doesn't ruin everything, right? Yeah, we, we use lab just to to avoid, but not to direct us. Analogy is a very good science. We need to know it, but we don't need to use it. When we can avoid to use analogy, it's better. But you know, you need to know analogy because when you have a problem, you need to fix it. But we put sample in labs, but it's just to security, not for, for drivers. It's like, um, you know, the emergency ambulance, like yeah. the people in the ambulance know what to do if something happens in the emergency, but you hope you never have to use it, yeah. right? So, okay, let's get back to Kondryu. In terms of the soil type and what each site has, I mean, you make three different Kondryu. Each yeah. is an expression of terroir. So what is the difference between the sites? How does different flavor come out of each site, given that Kundryu is small and the soil is different, but it's also basically uniform. It's it's like you said, it's it's decomposed granite. Kundryu, it's just 200 hectares, so it's very, very small. Yeah. And uh, here we are on the top of Kundryu Appellation in the three first town in the old, old part of Kundryu. And the granite is very destroyed, so the stock pump the mineral directly on the rocks. We work a lot the soil. We, we don't use chemical. And so we use the manual method, not tractors in Condrio. And so it's very, very hard. The yield is very low to make wine and harvest. It's all by hand. We have some tractor access in the in the place, but it's very hard because it's too, too steep. And we have, like you said, three Condrio. And the first Condrieu is Léché. It's a blend of all our terroir. It's very fresh Condrieu, very apricot Condrieu. We make only yeah. fooder, big, big wood tank, and 500 liters. 
We are a second conduit. It's under the church, through l'église. It's all in organic, all old wine. And this is very strict wine, fresh, not heavy. And the third conduit is the Cloponcin. Cloponcin is a very, very little parcel on the bottom of the hill, the first steps of the hill. And so it's on the sun during the morning. And after the, the afternoon, the sun passed the hill. So it's in a very climate place, more heavy, but very fresh. It's the same terroir of the Chateau Grier. Chateau Grier, it's one of the smallest places in the world of wine. It's only three hectares, one appellation. And so it's one of the very, very, very good place for, for Vionico. Uh, it's a part in Saint-Michel-sur-Rhône. Have you had Chateau Grier before? No, no. It's on, only one person in the world who has Chateau yeah, the, Grier. One, and it's a guy from Bordeaux that bought it, right? Yeah. And the Chateau yeah. now is owned by some very wealthy person from Bordeaux, but it's a monopole. Yeah. It's, it's one of those wines that you'd be lucky to even see anywhere. Yeah. But yeah. But you've got terroir that's the same. And I think that yeah. your point is really great. The idea of the freshness, the acidity which is what is so different between Condrieu and every other Viognier that's made, is that the acidity is so different because of the granite and the slope. Now, does the rootstock matter at all? We talked about that a bit when I met yeah. you. you. First of all, you have a lot of old vine, right? And that matters yeah. to Condrieu also. What does that do for Viognier? Yeah, I replant old vine. I start off my old vine to replant Viognier because my grand-granddad have planted very hot rootstock and rare for rootstock have a very good implantation and we make the massal selection of our old vine to replant because we see that we have a very high problem in our region it's the food dead very quickly wood disease and we need to take all vine very whole vine and replant it with good rootstock to avoid this malady in 90s in uh, in all of world, the guy who sold the grape, too many too many customers, and need to to answer for for the world. They sold too many plants, and some are bullshit. And we we see that 20 years ago now, 20 40 years now, and and Gosh. so we need to replant with all plants. So I'm very lucky because I have some grapes, some that my granddad and grand granddad plant that don't this disease and I can't multiplicate this plant for my new vine. But I'm lucky. You're grafting it onto the rootstock that you have. Yeah. 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 Uh, That's incredible. Some salesperson for the, the rootstock company came and sold bad vines to everybody. And that stinks. For, yeah, that stinks. Yeah. And yeah, it's we, so have, we have some some guy who said to avoid this. Yeah. And some very good pepinier works with this way, but it's very harmful. It's a yeah. problem. Maybe one day we don't have wine because all the all the vines disease. Well, oh my gosh! Dead. Well, it's I'm glad you're fixing you're, it. Yeah, yeah, but it's the clone, like uh, human clone or, yeah. or vegetable clone. You you multiply it and uh, disease, <sighs> and uh, and when the new disease arrives. Everybody's dead because right. you, you don't have even it uh, else. You don't have enough else to avoid it. So, are people diversifying more? Like, do you have more kinds of rootstocks now just to avoid that problem? Yeah, I probably hope because you in some certain region you have some uh, 100 years bent are very beautiful and healthy. Just the front, you have a 10 years old fruit and it's almost dead. Oh my gosh! You have a problem and. It's because some pepiniers and uh, some guys are make bullshit in the past. That's but we we need to to grow and learn again, but it's expensive yeah. and hard to to produce. And it's so hard to plant there anyway to work the soil that you don't want to have to keep replanting it over and over again. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the benefits of some of the winemaking techniques that you do. One of the things that you completely blew my mind with was the whole bunch fermentation and what that does for the wine. 
I had no idea some of the things that you said. So tell us how, why uh, you do whole bunch fermentation and what that can do for Viognier. It's for red more. Viognier, it's without bunches. We press in all bunches. Yes. But with, it's not a skin contact maceration. But didn't you say something about how yeah. it absorbs some of the alcohol? Yeah, but more, more for the red than okay. for the right. But the press in wall bunches in white is very interesting because it's drained the juice and you can make more fresh wine. The racking, the first racking is easiest when you press in wall bunches. But this, the wall bunches fermentation for the red is very, very interesting because you give nutrient, you give acidity, you give very short of water, so it degrees the alcohol. It's it's like when you're cooking, you need to add some spice, and it's exactly the same. The bunches give the spice. It's like in cooking, if you're cooking without spice or without salt, it means something. It and tastes terrible. the whole bunches <laughs> give it during the fermentation. So that's why it's perfect. I think a lot of people just, they just de-stem it and throw away the stems and then they press. Yeah. In terms of malolactic fermentation with Viognier, how do you decide whether or not you're going to do that? And what about oak also? Because these are very controversial topics. It used to be with Robert Parker, everybody was doing full malolactic. And full, I don't know if you did, you can tell us, but full malolactic fermentation, you know, as much new oak as possible. And now that's very different. And I'm sure you've brought something even more restrained to the table, even than your dad, who seems like he's a very sensible winemaker also. After the fermentation, we test the barrels. And if we feel that the acidity is too low, we don't do the fermentation, the malolactic. And if the barrels have a good balance and good fresh, we do the fermentation. The barrels after fermentation and the terroir, we have some place, some terroir, we need to do the fermentation, the malolactic, and is when it's better to do the malolactic fermentation. And some terroir, as all acidity level, is always low, so we don't do the malolactic. After marrow or not marrow, we blend the all, but it's the tasting more that labs, because sometimes the labs, you see on the labs that the sample, that the acidity is very low, but when you test it, you have good acidity. So we test is the best plan. It really goes back to the chef thing. Some people make wine like they're bakers because yeah. there's a recipe and you have to follow it exactly. And some people make wine like chefs where you taste it and then you, you either do something or not do something based on what you yeah. taste. There are some sites you're saying where you do mallow because the acidity is too high. That's what you're too, saying? It's not too, balanced? Too crispy. Yeah. Because before malolactic, you you are apple. Green apple, apple acidic, yeah. And after, you are lactic. But sometimes before malolactic, is too crispy, too yeah. hard. And so when we feel that it's too crispy, we do malolactic. And when we feel that it's good and a very good balance uh, without, we don't do it. And what about oak? Is it the same thing? Because there's, yeah. th you use some new oak on some of the cuvee. Never more 25% new oak. Generally, it's 5-10%. We try to, to have a good balance too, because oaky can be too fat and too hard. So we try to, to have big barrels, uh, 500 and 600 liters and fooders. We don't search oaky aromas in Viognier because sometimes we can give too, too heavy wine with too oaky and too new oaky aromas. And you use Austrian wood, right? Remember you were, you were telling me about that. That was a big deal. You're, you've tried out a few different things and you liked the Austrian wood. What is it about Austrian fodders? Fodder as Australian is, uh, for me, is the best because the wood in Austria grow very slowly. The maturity of wood is very, very good and it don't give oaky aromas. So ah. we keep fresh, we keep green aromas and natural aromas of Viognier. We don't mask the aromas with oak. After growing for so long and making sure that the grapes make it through the end of the season, you don't want to then ruin what you have with oak. Let's take a step away from the podcast to thank our sponsors this week. First of all, 
you, the patrons on Patreon, we cannot do the podcast without the patron community. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash wine for normal people is how you will get a ton of content you can't get anywhere else. Great tips on wine and hangouts, classes at some levels for the price of one bottle of wine a year. If you think the podcast is worth buying us a bottle of wine a year for your listening enjoyment, we would really love for you to join Patreon. It does keep the podcast alive. Patreon.com slash wine for normal people. Also, don't forget wineforNormalPeople.com slash classes. New classes are live. Cabernet around the world. Wines of France. If you love the podcast, that's what the classes are. They're basically a live podcast on a specific topic where we drink together and you've got an awesome community around you who asks great questions and gets you thinking about stuff. Wineforormalpeople.com slash classes. And we must thank Wine Access. Wineaccess.com slash normal. At the beginning of the show, I talked about the Wine for Normal People Wine Access Wine Club. And I am so excited about this. I really hope that you'll check it out. Six bottles, four times a year. Each shipment is $174 plus tax. The shipping is included. That's less than $30 a bottle. Four times a year, you're going to wind up with two cases of outstanding wine that you're going to love to drink. And yet, 10% off every purchase you make when you're part of the wine club. I have picked out every single wine and I am really excited to give you a taste of the things that I really like. Most of them are very classic examples of wines. For a learning purpose, you get a benchmark for what these wines taste like when they're at their most classic. I really hope that you'll go to wineaccess.com, go on the Wine Club's tab and look for the Wine for Normal People Wine Club. In addition, go to the wineaccess.com slash normal page. If it's your first order, you get 10% off. Look, there is a reason why Wine Access was rated the best wine club by New York Times Wirecutter. It is the best place to discover limited production wines, from around the world. And I love getting my wine access box. I think you will too. People in the wine industry shop at wine access because the selection is amazing. The customer service is fantastic. They have a never settle guarantee. If you order and you're not happy, they make it right. What a great company. I'm so glad to be partnered with them again. If you're in the States, check it out today. Wineaccess.com slash normal. Join my wine club. And now let's get back to this awesome podcast with Aurelien Shira. Now, can you talk about the Viognier or Piste? Because yeah. that was another thing that you completely blew my mind on why that can't be Condrieu, even though it is growing in Condrieu. What is up with that? Condrieu, there is a French appellation. It's very reglementaire. Uh, it's very small to protect the Condrieu or Romale Conti or all in France is very protected by the appellation. And sometimes you're you have some mistake and some <laughs> This is definitely yeah, a mistake. Yeah. In <laughs> In Condrieu, when we do the appellation, they they put on the paper that you need to have south and east exposition of sun to make better wine in the past. And so sometimes you have north, small small north part in the in the land slope, and it's outside the Appalachian. Even though it's right next to stuff that is in the Appalachian, yeah. right? It's it, crazy. Sometimes it's better. Sometimes it's... And you saw we have plant in Viognier and we can't use country Appalachian. So it's outside. So that's why we, we call it Orpist. It's closed, but don't country. And it's crazy thing because you are on the same slope, same area, same soil, just the exposition change. And we lost appellation, but the appellation needs to stop somewhere. Even that everyone make Romane Conti or Chateaubriand or Condrieu. So, but it's crazy that in the same place you have one row in Condrieu, the row after is gonna be outside. It's ridiculous. It's a low. Yeah, can it's, do that. I think that is one that doesn't make sense because you even showed me it's right next to it's it, yeah. and the soil type is exactly the same and especially with climate change 
if something is facing north these days, that may not be so bad. How has climate change affected, you talked about it a little bit, but how has it affected the Viognier? We see since 10 years, that's the uh, alcohol level highest, the acidity is lowest than in the past. So we need to be very careful because we maybe, I hope no, make wine like in South. The problem that we need to fix because we don't want to make Viognier with uh, 14, 15 degrees alcohol and low, the low acidity. So we need to pick early, work more soils to avoid it. We need to work more organic because it's a real problem probably in the future because we don't want to make too heavy wine. We need to stay you like we do now. It's just trying to figure out what you can do to keep your style, to keep your wine. Yeah. You do have the granite. Granite usually makes more acidic wines, which is helpful, more right? More fresh. If you see the lab's results, we don't have a lot of acidity, but you have a sensation of fresh because this is a granite and this is a minority of wine. It's very specific of place. This is part of the art of wine instead of the science that if you actually follow the flavor, it tells you something different from what a lab or a tech sheet will show you. And that's really, really an important thing. I think that's what you're saying over and over again. And it's true. Let's talk about San Joseph, which I told you this and I'm not lying. I don't really like the wines of San Joseph, but I like your wines of San Joseph. I like the whites, but you also make good reds, which is hard to do because talk about your sites in San Joseph. Do you own those or do you buy? I am only owners. I'm a farmer. I don't buy grapes outside. Okay. All the grapes come from my property. All grapes are my babies. <laughs> I plant it, I work it, and I do it. I do the wine. I don't buy outside. We are on the top, top, top of the north of San Joseph Appellation. In my town, Saint-Michel-sur-Rhône, we are outside the San Joseph Appellation. They start down after in Chavanais. And the Chavanais are the same granite as Condrieu Appellation. So that's why we make very fresh and very easy San Joseph. When you go down in the south of San Joseph Appellation, the granite change. It's more powerful and more structured wine, heavy wine. It's so tannic. I don't know if it's the winemaking or the tannins to me are so strong in the Syrah. You can barely drink that stuff. And for some reason, it seems like it shouldn't be. But when it grows on the granite in the north, they're softer. The south is where San Jose bones. So they, they probably, they will say that it's better in the south. It's uh, maybe a gentle wall between north and south. Yes. In North, it's more easiest maybe to make pager and, and I, I will say elegant, but uh, I will they, they will kill me if I say that. Uh, but it's <laughs> true. Maybe it's just an aging thing, but you can drink them earlier. Let's just yeah. say that they are they're yeah. definitely prettier wines as opposed to being really hit you over the head wines in the South. The Appalachian, I know they've talked about cutting it in half before because it really yeah. is quite different in the North and the South, right? Probably my way to vinificate will give it the very fresh because I used a lot of wall benches that we heard said early. Yeah. So it give very fresh and and pleasure with the wall benches when she's mature. You need to have mature steam to make good wine. We don't use too many process to make wine. I used very old method. It's a wood blanch that I uh, I put in a, in a grapes. So it's like a coffee press. So I don't crush. I don't crush. I don't pumping over too much. So it's always very gentle and very soft on it in my wine. Probably it's the way to avoid warm climate change. Old method can be very interesting and very good to make wine. After that, I have another cuvee, Solist, who come from the middle of San Joseph Appellation, and it's more powerful and more strong wine because the terroir is totally different. So the Solist is from? In, in Ardèche. Okay, that's from farther down, and then you have yeah. the La Côte, which La Côte, is from, yes. that's right north. near you. Yeah, yeah, totally Got north, it. La Côte. You grow Marsan and Roussan also yeah. to make the yeah. white. A lot of people say Roussan is very hard to grow. I don't know if you remember, I was asking you about that too when we met. A lot of people would prefer not to grow it. They do more Marsan because it's easier to grow than Roussan. 
But you have a 60-40 blend of Roussan Marsan. So you're, a, as we say in English, a glutton for punishment. You you want, you want take the hard route. How's growing Marsan and Roussan different from Viognier? Um, Maybe easier? Roussan is, uh, looks like Viognier. It's uh, pretty hard. They make very small berries, but it's more elegant wine. Uh, Marsan give big berries and with sometimes honey aromas. I try to make very elegant wine. That's why we have planted more Roussan as Marsan. But Roussan is uh, very hard to make because you have one moment is unripe, two days after is ripe, two days after is too late. <laughs> and you need to, to pick it very quickly when is a good moment. Right. Because the yield will Degrees, 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 and the alcohol with up, up, up. So it's very, very hard. We don't see that with the Marsat. Is uh, the maturity is more slowly, and it's always good. Easier. Easier. Yeah. That's why you see, especially in the white Croz Hermitage, would be a good example. Yeah. Like almost everybody does a huge percentage of Marsan. It's hard to find people using a good percentage of Roussan at all because. It's too hard. But I think that if you want really good flavor, you have to have a lot of Roussan. It has silkiness. You don't get that out of Marsan. Marsan can be green. I always think of the color green. You're just very like stems sometimes. So how do you manage picking? Because is all this stuff ready at different times or is it ready all at the same? Because obviously, like you said, with Roussan and Viognier, you have to decide when you're going to pick it and you have to pick it right then or the acidity will start to drop quick. I'm pretty lucky because I have a small domain. We have only eight hectares, and my dad know he knows his parcel, and now I know my parcel too. We test the grapes, and we see that this need to be picked in Monday. This one will be Tuesday, and we we can change the morning. We we can say the this morning we go in Saint de Blanc. And we arrived in the parcel, we said, no, we wait, we stop. We're going to Condrieu. We are lucky because it's small domain and yeah. small area. We can change the, the plan very quickly and uh, we can go back to the next day. Small domain, good person. My dad, hi, and my employee are very efficient, very good in, in a walk. So it's very easy for us to, to change the plan. I wonder if overall... That adds to a lot of the quality in some of all of the really high quality areas of France because the Appalachians are so small and most of the domain, even the big domain, who's the biggest up there? Is it Chapoutier? Gigal, probably. Oh, Gigal, right. Even Gigal, I mean, there's not that much land. Even Gigal is not that big. I Uh, mean, they're big compared to you. But if you look at some of the estates in New Zealand or California, there are estates that are as big as the entire area of Kondryu and Cote yeah. Roti put together. So yeah, it's... It's in New Zealand, you have some domain with 100, 200, 500. I don't remember, but it's huge. That must and... have been like, wow, that's a yeah. lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but here we are farmer. It's our way to work in all the northern road region. We are farmer mentality and farmer way to work because it's hard to work. The slope is too high, so it's farmer jobs. The quality is so high overall. I don't think you can get really bad wine out of Northern Rhone. I think it it's very hard. Maybe some Crows Hermitage. That's some Sanjo stuff. Kondra you everyone cares and it's so hard to do that it wouldn't bother making the wine unless it was good and you have to be committed because it's so difficult to work the land. You also make a Syrah or Piste from yeah. the Saint-Joseph. That's Syrah. Syrah, so 100% Syrah, yes. And it's outside the Saint-Joseph appellation, exactly that uh, Vionier Piste, who are outside the Fucondrieu. It's all old parcel in Saint-Michel-sur-Rhône that uh, we, the town is outside because my grand-granddad and the owner, farmer of Saint-Michel-sur-Rhône town said no to Saint-Joseph Appellation because we have in the past Condrieu, Chateaubriand and Côte du Rhône Appellation in the town. So they don't want a new appellation. So they said no to Saint-Joseph. <laughs> it's sad, but 
we make good syrup. So it's not you a problem. Do, oh, no, it's, <laughs> it's absolutely delicious. And it's a ridiculous value. You know, it all has to do with economics. You could make more money if you put San Joseph on it, which yeah. is a shame. Let's talk about Cote Roti. Cote Roti is your newest appellation. This is after you joined the domain in 2012. Was this yeah. partially your decision to do this? And so you said you don't buy grapes. So this no. you own the site on Cote Rossier? It's a uh, switch with, uh, with a friend who makes yeah. only Cote Rossier. Domaine de Rosier in, uh, in Cote Rossier is a very good friend. And he don't make Vionier, don't, don't make white wine. And he searched to make white. And so after discussion, we said... I have a good parcel in close of Chateaugrier and he have one good person close of La London. The parcel, it's name of parcel, Ludi. So we are making a switch. Uh, I loaned his parcel. He loaned my parcel. I'm going to work in Ampuy and he's going to work in Saint-Michel-sur-Rhône. So if we want works like he want to do, I work in organic in, in Ampuy. He work in organic in Saint-Michel. So it's very good place. Cote Roti is completely different from Saint yeah. Joseph. You're working with the same grape, yeah. but you need Syrah. to change the way that you work to adapt to Cote Roti. So how are they different? I think for someone saying, well, it's all Syrah. It's the soil. The, the Cote Roti, uh, the soil is the less granite as the Conduit as Saint Joseph. It's more clay and more iron rocks. It gives totally different wine. Cote Roti is always elegant, always uh, pleasure. And uh, the tannin is very elegant and uh, delicate. Saint Joseph with the granite is sometimes hard, dark, masculine wine, very uh, crunchy wine. Yeah, crunchy. Uh, crunchy is a good way to put it. Yeah, cotroti is always pleasure and elegant. Cotroti, you can make very good young and it's wonderful wine old. It's uh, one of the best Syrah place for the tea. Yes, it is always good. It, and that's a very small area also yeah. to work, although they did expand it a little bit back to the plateau a bit. Yeah. Cotroti, you have some parcel on the slope and on the top, and you have uh, some north parcel, some south parcel. It's not like Condrieu. All the, the hill can be planted. So it's very, very interesting because when you blend, you can have a fresh part, hot part, uh, top part. It's very, very good for the blend. My parcel is just on the bottom of the hill in La Côte Rosier. It's a very good place because it's not too warm, not too cold. And maybe one day we have more Premier Cru or Grand Cru, like in Burgundy. Maybe the Côte Rosier can be a first crew. <laughs> is that very something good. people are talking about in Côte Roti? Their sites are definitely different. Again, it's the same types of soils, but just small differences in where the folds are and the hills and things like that. Because it's not one straight shot yeah. down the yeah. hill. They ripple. I think that's an important thing. We didn't really say that with Kandriou. It goes in and out. It's sort of like a, a wave almost. Yeah. So that's yeah. why you get these different areas. And I would think, I think about what you said about Kandriou. At some point, they'll have to change the rules because you're going to want some of those fresher grapes inside of Kondryu, the ability to blend, because Cote Roti has that, and yeah. it makes it easier for them to yeah. fight climate change, right? Yeah, but the law and the ENO, the, it's it a whole forever. institution, and to change things, it's very slowly and complicated. So it's, it's a problem. It just the appellation is very good because they protect the world of wine in France. Yep. But sometimes you need to change the mentality and move quickly. The movement is too slowly and uh, and the, the world changed too quickly. We need to go fast now in the world and the warm climate changed too quickly. And the, you know, the, the guy who worked for the appellation are too old way and too slow. Hopefully me, the new generation, opinion. the newer generation will take over. It can't be too easy. They can't make it too easy because you have to have some standards about when to change. But you're right. Things that make sense. I did a podcast with somebody in the Madoc and they want a, a white Appalachia, Madoc Blanc Appalachian. It's going to take years and years. 
they used to have that Appalachian. Yeah. That Appalachian actually used to be there, and now it's not there anymore, and they can't even just reinstate it. In Alsace, they've been working for about 20 years to try to get a village level and a premier crew level, and they can't do it. That doesn't make sense. Some of the other little changes, you don't want big companies to be able to decide what goes on in the Appalachian and have all the power. So I get that. But things like that, it doesn't make sense. In a place like Kondryu, they should really just make the change. So hopefully the new generation... I don't think they're going to stand for how slow things were, hopefully. I have a question for you on the Cote Roti, though. You make awesome Viognier, and you don't put any Viognier in your Cote Roti. No, it's uh, my Cote Roti is 100% Syrah, because I have planted in the north of Cote Roti Appalachian, in the clay and okay. uh, iron rocks, and it's not good terroir for Viognier. Okay. You can find some Viognier in Cote Roti, but more in the south of Cotroti Appellation. It's a continuity of Condrieu. You have Condrieu, after that you start Cotroti Appellation, and in the south you have the same terroir, almost the same terroir as Condrieu, so it's good for Viognier and Syrah. And after that, after the Ampuy town, the Viognier is not very interesting. Yeah. yeah the soil uh, are not very, very interesting for Viognier. So that's why my parcel is in 100% Syrah. I would love for you to make a Syrah with some Viognier in it. You do make one, right? Don't you make a Syrah Viognier? Blend. Yeah, blend. Uh, in Saint-Michel I need to, yeah. I haven't gotten that. I need to try that. All right. You were telling me that you use corks that are made from sugar, right? Talk about your sustainability efforts. That's really been something that's very important to you, I know. Yeah. I work with Noma Cork. It's uh, Vinvention. So we don't use natural cork, wood cork. It's sugar cane cork. So cool. It's easy to produce. The CO2 used is less. We can recycle it. Yeah, it. recycle. Uh, so yep. it's, it's very beneficial for the planet. So it's, for me, it's good. Don't have a problem with wine. We don't uh, corky wine. Right. With, with this. For, for the wine, when you open six bottles, the six bottles are the same aroma, same flavor. With the cork, in six bottles, you can have very good bottles. And shitty bottles. Yes. So sometimes it's good to to have this security. It's my traveling in New Zealand learned me that that you need to to have security. So that's why they use uh, screw caps because right, right, right. they don't want to have cork in New Zealand. I have buy one bottles with cork, natural corks, and she was corky. That's bad luck. Yeah. Yeah. And what about the other things that you've done? And you have a certification for your high environmental standards. Can you talk about that in the vineyard? Yeah. Work in uh, 90% in organic, my vineyard. Yeah. Try to use chemical less and less and less to make better wine and more balanced wine. Because if you use too, too many chemicals, you kill the disease. And we need some disease to live. It's hard to understand, but it's like uh, it's like with the rootstock. We search too many clones to avoid malady, avoid, avoid, avoid. And uh, when we write one malady, everyone dead. It's like too much antibiotics in yeah. humans. We can't yeah. over-medicate people because you have to get sick sometimes to be able yeah. to fight it off. You need immunity. Yeah. And in organic way to work, it's like this. You have some malady, but you need to accept it. Again, I think that's much more of a old world mentality than a new world mentality, because I think new world winemaking looks to avoid all problems and old world mentality. And again, I think you're the best person to talk about this, looks to meet those problems and maybe sometimes deal with them and accept them, although it's not pretty every time. Yeah. It doesn't look good all the time, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't deal with it. Your wines are available in Total Wine in the U.S., yeah. Because you work with the negotiant business of Laurent Delaunay, who has yeah. been on the podcast. I, I thought this yeah. was so cool. He was on the show and I talked to him about his story and you didn't know his story that well. I'm going to send you the link. He has a really interesting story. He lost his entire domain in Burgundy and then has spent his whole life trying to get it back. And in the meantime, did a negotiant business for people like you. Yeah. It's made it a lot easier for you to get distribution, right? How did you connect with them? His company is Domain and Vin de Propriété. Uh-huh. 
and we work with uh, with this company since 10 years ago. He represents us for the world. Total Wine is uh, one of my highest customers. It's easiest for me because I'm a farmer. I want to pass my time in vineyards and, and cellar. I don't want to traveling around the world to, to sell my wine. So they are their jobs. He sold my wine. It's easier yeah. for me. I said, try, we sold it where we want and no problem right. for me. So that's why we start in, uh, in Total Wine in the US. It's great yeah. though, because it makes it so easy for you just to do what you do. And for us, for anybody that's listening to this, I know people are already on their computers saying, oh my gosh, I can get it locally in the US. But it is also available in the UK your products yeah. are available all over Europe. The U.S. is only one piece of it. I just want to be yeah. clear about that. So my last question to you is, what's exciting and what are you looking forward to in the coming years? You and your dad are working together still, but you're doing a lot more. So yeah. what are you excited about in the future for Shira? I have two two child. Oh. But it's, it's baby. It's, it's six years old and four years old. So they have time to, to see the future. But... Maybe one day we are five generation to have work in Shira Vineyard. So we'll see. My dad will take his retirement in one month. So oh, wow. Will, so it's uh, all yours. I will be alone. <laughs> no. he, he will keep going to work with me less. But I see that he, he will always uh, have an eyes on my jobs. He's his baby. So yeah, happy to, to take his retirement. But he, he will keep going to see how I work and I want to, to work more and more in organic. I don't want to plant too much because if you plant too much, you lost your vineyard. You need to be present for the vine so I can grow more because I don't want to lose my vineyard. I don't want to change my, my way to work, yep. my way to live too. I have a good family. I want to stay in family and I want to stay a farmer. So that's why I don't want to plant too much. I feel that way too. I just want things to stay good, be the way that they are, be happy, live a good yeah. life, and then pass it on to your kids and have them be happy too and send a good earth to them. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. You're so interesting. You have so much great information and you have a really amazing perspective because of your time in New Zealand to be able to tell us the differences and explain how you work in such a very difficult historic area, but at the same time trying to bring it into modern times when people are excited about the wines. But you're fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for you. And uh, it's a real pleasure to receive you last year in, uh, in Origins. And it's always a pleasure to speak and about our domain and our region. And I hope uh, I don't have uh, said too many mistakes. None. And, you, are, uh, you are fantastic. You're so fantastic. sorry about my rubbish English. Sometimes uh, it's <laughs> probably, probably hard. <laughs> no, not at all. Remember, if you're in the U.S., you can look for, for Vignob Chirac in Total Wine. And make sure that you go out and get these amazing wines. They really, really are something else. And with that, this has been another episode of Wine for Normal People. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.